Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spaeth. He's one of our elders, and here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. This is our Wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets, where we open up the Old Testament, we move through the narrative and the text, and we see how it impacts us today as the church and how it how that text connects to Jesus. Um, if you're listening to this on the Heart and Heads podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And make sure to comment down below. Um, if this ministry has blessed you or you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, I want, I want to encourage you to head over to that website. At the top of the page, we have a donate button that uh, take, will take you to PayPal, and you can partner with us as we seek to teach and preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to pray and get into the lesson. Again, church, thank you so much for joining us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to study together again this evening. We pray, Father, for all those who will be watching and all those who will be listening uh, we pray, Father, that uh, that this message and this this class will be an encouragement to them, and will be an inspiration to them to uh, to continue their study in, in Your Word. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you for Your Son. Thank you for for sending Him here so that we can have freedom from sin, and so we can have a relationship with You. We we thank you so much, Father. Help us as we learn what that relationship means and what our responsibility is in that relationship. Thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 20 this morning. Uh, Exodus chapter 20. This we're, evening. This evening. Oh, this morning we're it's recording. For us, yeah. The evening when they're watching. <laughs> we got to keep this real. Man. <laughs> so, so they understand. Okay. All right. Yeah. Mm, sorry to break the timeline. Um, all right. So, yeah, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 20 this evening. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've, we've seen the Israelites come a long way. We've seen God work in a mighty way through Moses. We've seen, even before that, in Genesis, God focus in on the family of Abraham and say, you know, I want to work with you. I want to work with your family. Through you, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed. And so God starts working with the family of Abraham. They end up in Egypt. They end up enslaved. God delivers them in a mighty way, all to bring them to this mountain and this moment. He is taking this family of Abraham that now has become a nation, and he's going to give them a law, right? And he's going to give them a land. This is the, the whole intent here. He's moving them back, right? He promised Abraham, I'm going to give this land to your descendants. These are the descendants he wants to do this with. Mm -hmm. Now they've tested him along the way, right? Along the way, we've seen them not trust in God, right? Not do what he has told them to do. So he's brought them to this place. They're at the foot of this mountain. There's all this fire, this smoke, all now, of this stuff. You remember, this is only about three months in. Yeah, this is this only journey. three months in. They're gonna they're gonna wander for forty years. This is only three months in. That's right. To, so they have they have disobeyed a lot so far. Or or no, I won't say they've grumbled and complained and mouthed and bellyache. And to at this point, they're gonna do some serious disobedience down the road. Well, and the biggest difference I would say is that Right now, what's about to happen is they're about to ratify covenant. Mm -hmm. They're about to agree to enter into covenant with mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. Now, we're going to see them reject God here in a little bit. And on that, with that in mind, what does rejection of God look like? In the life of a I, you know, I've met, I've met plenty of Christians, and we'll, we'll focus in on Christians, right? Because the world isn't in relationship with God. There's, there's, they're moving right. So from a Christian's life, 
What does it look like when a Christian begins to reject God? Man, it can take on all kinds of forms. I mean, you know, a, 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 a systematic disobedience starting, I mean, it can start very, very, very early on. It can start, well, that's not what I want to say. It can start very, very light, you know, where it's just a, uh, something in a person's mindset. Mother, many people, and a lot of times, many people don't even know that somebody's rejecting Christ. No, that, you know, they can go through the motions, you know, go through the motions of, of sounding right, looking right, acting right. But deep inside, they're, they're, they're a, a pit, a dark black pit inside because there's nothing there. Uh, and, and then you can find people that blatantly say, I'm done. You know, adios, I'm out of here. I don't want to have nothing to do with him anymore. Well, all, both of those are rejection of God. You know, I mean, uh, saying I'm going to do, I, oh, I love Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. And then doing whatever you want to do in spite of what he says is a rejection of Christ. You know, he give, he's given, he's going to give these people a, 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 a system of rules and regulations. Right. The law has been, like you've said before, the whole Genesis through. But but this is going to be a this a, is a this, regulation. This is a regulation of part of it. It's yeah. going to be it's going to start out with these ten, and then going to then go on to six or seven, six hundred more. But there's going to be a lot of, of ordinances written down, so and we, they're going to have a responsibility yes. to do this or not. And God says, I know you're not going to be able to do it all, so I'm going to give you in this system. I'm going to give you a way to get yourself come back to Christ. To, I mean, come back to God, come back, you know, through a sacrificial system. Right. All that's going to be in here. And, and then many of them will have chosen to, let's, let's take in Jesus day when, when the Pharisees have decided or through a course of time have decided, this is what the Sabbath is supposed to look like. And Jesus says, no, nuh -uh, no, no. Yes. So they rejected what God originally said to make it what they wanted it to be. We, people do that all the time. We have we have whole churches, denominations that have taken this book and created their own idea of religion, not of what God says. Let's. I want to do. We're going to do it this way because this makes us feel more close to God, more special. And it's rejection of God because God's been very specific. You know, I mean, we can we can sit here on online and debate all day long about baptism. You know, I mean, there are people out there that say we're going to go to hell because we preach the baptism necessary for salvation. Well, you know, all I'm doing is going by what the book says. And they say, well, that's not what the book says. Well, okay, let's sit down Peter, and debate about it. Peter literally says baptism now saves you. Not the removal of filth from flesh, but the appeal to God. Oh, they have answers for all that. But, but that's the point. When you create your own doctrine, you right. have rejected Christ. Have you yeah. not? No, absolutely. That's what he told them. He said, you create, you, you reject me when you do not do what I tell you to do. Well, and, you know, so not only is it is it a rejection from a Christian standpoint, not as it not only can it start small, but it can start in innocuous ways. Absolutely. You know, first John makes it very clear that walking in the darkness isn't measured by sin or not. It's measured by whether we love one another. Mm -hmm. Now, loving, don't misunderstand loving one another. There is correction in love. If I love my brother and I see my brother falling into sin or walking away into sin, I'm going to go to him and I'm going to say, brother, please stop. Mm -hmm. Don't touch that hot iron. It's mm -hmm. going to hurt you. Please don't do that. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's still that there's still that correction, corrective action, like we see in first Corinthians with Paul and the, the brother there at the congregation that was in sin. But so a very easy way that we can see people walking away from God is when they don't practice love one towards another. Mm -hmm. Love isn't just expressed in that corrective action. It's expressed in helping one another, mm -hmm. right? It's also expressed in not judging each other based on their own freedoms, right? 
we raise hands or not raise hands, right? The book actually tells men to lift their hands, mm -hmm. right, in prayer. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes that can be, even something as innocuous as that can be a contentious issue. Love for my brother says, I'm not going to judge you on that. If you if you feel that you need to do that or you have to do that, I'm not going to judge you. I don't feel I can do that or I don't think it matters. I'm not that's that's not what our relationship with Christ is based mm -hmm. on, right? So that's practicing love one to another. And if we don't do that, we're also not in relationship with God. If we're not practicing <laughs> love one to another. Well, what we're talking about here is rejecting of God. It's a rejection of God. And and rejection of God is Jesus that said very clearly that if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He also said very clearly, the new command, right? The new command I give you, love one another. Well, we're going to get to that in a minute. Right. We're jumping so, ahead of ourselves. I mean, it's, there's, so what commands is he talking about, right? And so when we, we start looking at these 10 commandments in Exodus, Exodus 20, there's a couple of things we need to know right off the bat. First of all, this is the beginning of the legal, the, what, as from a Western perspective, right? This is the beginning of the law code that we think of when we say law. But the law is Genesis through Deuteronomy. Yeah. The law, but the written code, the writ, the written legal code, specifically of the covenant at Sinai. What, what Jesus took out of the way at the cross was he took the he took what we consider the written code and nailed it to the cross. Yes, he did. Did away with it. Yes, he did. To put it to so we could be in a in a in a new covenant relationship. Yes. A different yes. covenant relationship based on his blood and not yes. the blood of bulls and goats because that's where that's where that's where they find now that's not the first time that you're gonna find blood of bulls and goats. He's just he's just telling them this is what I'm gonna expect for these kinds of sin. Yes. This is what you're to do. You right. do this, you sacrifice this, you do this, and he's gonna map it out like that. Right. And they're gonna have a responsibility to stay within the framework of the law. Or to create it for themselves, and what, and so we're taking a little while to, to really explain this because this introduces a new section. We talked earlier. And it's going to be all the way into Leviticus. I mean, well, we talked. We're going to see it all the way into Deuteronomy. Yeah, really. We, we talked earlier about how when we start getting into this law portion, this this very heavy law code portion, mm -hmm. right? It's easy to lose the narrative. So one of the things we're going to do is we're going to help you stay on track with the narrative, the story of what is going on with these people at the foot of this mountain. Yeah. We've come all the way from Adam to here. And we won't do every single law. No, we're not. We're, we're not, not going to do, do every, every single, single law. We'll skip some of it because because yeah. it gets rep repetitive. You know, it's one I, I want them to see to make sure they understand that God had, had an answer for every situation they were going to go through. I mean, he he met. I mean, he, he understands that they they've been four hundred years in bondage, right? Mm -hmm. And he's going to put part of this law code is going to teach them how to live apart from being slaves. Well, and Paul will tell us, and so so much too of our perspective of this law code comes from the New Testament, where we have apostles in Christ mm -hmm. speaking back into this situation. Yeah. So Paul will say over and over and over again, the law was meant to increase sin. The law was meant as a tutor it was to a lead us to Jesus. The law is a curse. Mm -hmm. right? The law says very clearly that anyone who hangs on a tree is cursed. Christ was crucified on a tree. That is a reference to being hung on a tree, whether through crucifixion or actual physical hanging. Yeah. The law says anyone who does that is cursed. Well, Jesus was perfect in every way and had no sin. He became a curse on our behalf, mm -hmm. right? And First, so, I mean, Second Corinthians says that he became something he was not, so that we could become something we could never be. So, and the whole and the whole point of that, right? The whole point of this law is to lead us in our understanding that we need mm -hmm. Jesus. Yeah, that's the yeah. whole point. And so, yeah. we're we're saying that at the very outset. The whole point of this legal portion of the covenant at Sinai is geared to get to help us 
realize that we need God in a very well, real way. When you get dealing with this, it gets very easy to lose sight of what what's going on here. We're at we're at the at the very tip end of Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is you know when when Elijah runs from from Ahab and Jezebel and he ends up where's he? Where I said Sunday morning. Yeah. You know that he ended up he couldn't hardly go any farther south and he went. I mean that's about as far as he right. could go. You know, and it's and if he goes much farther, he's going back into Egypt. So they've only been wandering around for thirty for thirty days. I mean, for for uh, three months. For three months, and and so they've wandered around and around yeah. and come to this mountain where God is going to show up. So that's the and we're going to keep reminding you that's where we are. That all of this discourse for however long is going to be in the first the first three months. And before we even jump in Exodus twenty. Mm -hmm. Let's look at Mark chapter 12 real quick. Okay. Because before we're going to start looking at the legal portion of the covenant at Sinai, right? We're going to look at what, what the legal code said within the law, right? Yeah. But before we do, let's hear what Jesus has to say is the foundation for this legal code. Then now Jesus in Mark chapter 12 is one, one of the teachers. This is verse 28 of Mark chapter 12. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them. So this is a teacher of the law coming to Jesus and asking him a question. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now in Exodus 20, we're going to look at what people call the Ten Commandments. We're going to go through that. So which one, which one of these Ten Commandments, and it's really a preface for over 600 commandments, yeah. of all of these things, which one is the most important? And Jesus says this, the most important one, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your, heart, uh, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. This is the foundation of the law we're going to read. When we go back and read this law code, Nine times out of ten, we're not thinking this. No. We're thinking, okay, this is what I have to do, this and this is, is what this I can't This is even do. in this code. Yeah, it's not in the Ten Commandments. It's not in the Ten Commandments. Not in no. the next six hundred of them. It's not. The, it's you in find Deuteronomy. It in Deuteronomy. It's Deuteronomy. So, yeah. and that's so. That's. I'm glad you brought that up because that's the other. That's the other common misconception. The other common misconception of the the covenant at Sinai is that it begins and ends at Sinai. It does not. No. It okay. actually right. continues mm -hmm. past when they leave and they walk away. In fact, God will say. There's lots of times, Cole, when when God shows up in 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 Exodus, I mean, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and he shows up and gives them more. He gives them more, right. Yeah, it's exactly. Just, yeah. So it doesn't end. It gives them, you know, he, get, he, <laughs> he comes and tells them, you know, to, to you have to do this. You know, Numbers, you know, when they're when they're getting bitten by snakes, he said, you need to do this. You need to do this, right. Yeah. yeah. Look upon this serpent on this, on this. That wasn't even a problem when he's over here at Sinai. So what we need to understand is the covenant at Sinai begins at Sinai. The, the law portion of the covenant at Sinai, the legal code portion of the covenant at Sinai begins at Sinai, but doesn't end. And in fact, God never puts an end to it. What he, te what he tells them in Deuteronomy, specifically Deuteronomy 13, is he points out that if a prophet is speaking by the authority of God, you must obey him. Yeah. If I send you a prophet, you have to obey him too. Further, if there is a priest who is serving in the tabernacle with the anointing oil on, you have to obey him as well. Both of them had the authority to speak with the voice of God. Mm -hmm. And so that's a very important dynamic because it's something we forget. So we've got to make sure we remember that going forward. Because when Elijah shows up and tells Ahab something, mm -hmm. it means something. It means something. When yeah, Elijah, when, when the prophet, think about it from this perspective in Kings, there's that, I forget which, in which chapter, but it's one of the prophets. And he tells, he looks at the guy and he says, hit me. And the guy says, I'm not going to hit you. And a lion jumps out and eats him. 
Mm-hmm. Why? Because that man disobeyed the voice of God. The prophet, speaking on authority of God, said, do something. And the guy said, I'm not going to do it. So then he didn't do it. And his what's the penalty for disobedience? Disobeying God. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, it's in that yeah. case specifically, yeah. it was yeah. death. Yeah. So understand, we have to carry that dynamic forward. I know that's a lot of information. We're going to talk about it more and more. But looking at Exodus chapter 20, the foundation for this law code is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Let's get into Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all of these words in verse 1. This is Moses, the people all surrounding this mountain. Moses is up on this mountain and God speaks these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Now that Lord, look at that all caps, right? Mm -hmm. This is the covenant name for God. This is Yahweh. I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now that's a mouthful, man. It is a mouthful. That's a mouthful. Now, a lot of people have, there's a lot of tension in this, right? Because God has just said, I'm jealous and I punish children. And so people go, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh. There's a couple of different things we need to understand. The, the parents, the third and fourth generation, Hebrew is a very poetic language, and there's a lot of poetry mm-hmm. going on behind the scenes here that we're not seeing because it's in the Hebrew. There's a lot of rhyming. There's a lot of puns. There's a lot of this stuff. Now, God is not, not, and I'm not saying that God is not saying he doesn't do this. What I'm pointing out is what is the criteria for him doing this of those who hate me, mm-hmm. right? What's the foundation of all? Love the Lord your God with everything you have. Mm-hmm. If you don't love me, I'm your God. And if you don't love me, it's not going to bode well for you. I and and we spent we spent a there's a whole lot in the New Testament in the epistles, Paul's writing, Peter's writing that tell us how to do that. Mm -hmm. First John is a great example. First John is a wonderful example of how to love God. That's right. Loving each other, you know, putting that into practice. Mark chapter 12. First John says very specifically, if you hate your brother, you don't love God. That's right. You That's right. you can claim to love God all you want, but if you hate your brother, yeah. pff, you're and, a liar. And let's let let's what does it what does it look like to love God? It mm-hmm. means that I'm going to be I'm going to be striving to be uh he tells me he said imitate him. I'm yeah. going to be striving to imitate him. I'm going to be striving to be obedient to him. I'm going to be striving to look or sound like him. You know, when it comes to how I approach life, how I approach the things that are going on in my life, you know, I'm not going to walk up a stage and smack a man in the mouth. You know, I mean, I I mean, that that doesn't look like what God would do. What did Jesus do when they slapped him in the mouth? What did he do Mm. when they accused him of all kinds of horrible stuff? What did he do? He stood there and took it. You know, he said, he said, when someone strikes you on one cheek, what does he tell you? Turn the other one to him as well. Now, I ain't got there yet. I'm still working on that part. But you know what? It, it's I can understand how. Well, I I would say you're only working on that part if we if we take that 
to be incredibly literal. I understand. I've, that. Brother, I've watched I've watched people come up and say things and do things, and your your reaction has never been. I mean, you're you're living that reaction, that reaction of I'm not going to respond in like mm -hmm. that. I mean, that is essentially what forgiveness is. Forgiveness I, is yeah, that decision I, I, not to respond that way. You know, but in our culture, we look at that and say, if, if Jesus says, if one, someone strikes you on one cheek, well, that they take it literally. They do. You know, and it's not people okay. Do. People do. not okay for me to respond in kind. That's you know? right. Now there are That's certain the circumstances. You know, we have safety team and all that stuff, and it's certain. You know, we can debate that all you. You know, but uh, there are certain things that God gives us a, the authority to do. Right. Okay. But in here, you know, He's telling these folks. He said, He said, I'm God. I'm jealous. I'm gonna. If you hate me, I'm not gonna make you love me. Right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to demand, I'm going to, this is, I want you to love me, but I am not going to force you to love me. And if you don't love me, this is what's going to happen. That's right. The, that punishment could very easily, I'm going to allow the consequences of what you do to keep onto your children for four generations, for 400 years. That's right. But also, he said, because punishes, I'd like to look at that word in Hebrew and see what it, what it actually means. I look at it more as that, uh, that the consequences for your children and I have seen this. You reject God, and I have seen what it does to kids. Well, I mean, where does a child, you know, I was just thinking about this the other day, you know. I hate the way my son responds when he gets angry. Mm. But where did he learn that? Yeah, he learned it from his, from the adults. He learned, learned it from me. That's where he learned it. Mm. I, I, the, the buck stops here. He learned it from me. Mm. And so, I, I, you know, I constantly am telling him, don't respond that way. Don't respond that way. And it dawned on me just the other day. I was sitting there thinking about it, and I said, you know, I need to. I need to make sure I'm not responding that way. I'm not. He gonna, needs to see that in me I'm because. Not, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm not going to get into all the the things that that I watched my parents do, or, or you watch your parents do, and, and mm -hmm. say, well, that justifies. No, you know, I I don't want to get into denominational hatchet job. I don't do all that, you know. But I watched my family, my my, you know, you know, accept things as as religious and holy, mm. and. Uh, and I saw it, I saw it twist us. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I saw it twist us. You know, I, you know, I know y'all are going to watch this months down the road because this is our seventh or eighth one we've got recorded already. So what they're going to see tonight is, is something we recorded a month and a half ago, but we just got through with a, with a fourth Sunday meal and we did it for the, the purpose of, of, uh, combining our groups together on Sunday and for and for our children's small group, which you lead, and another small group, which I lead, and another one which James leads, on Sunday evening, we, we have ours together. Y'all have y'all's early right after service. And so we decided on fourth Sunday, we're going to come together right after service, and we're going to have a big meal. We had over 125 people showed up for the meal, had to have two rows of tables. So if you didn't come and you understand, if you've been to one before, you know, that's a lot of food. Oh yeah, we had a lot, a lot of food. But the point of this was to was to allow our children to show what they've been doing. And so I look at this and I say, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my command. What was going on Sunday was show was was our kids, our small group, our our, our youth ministry, showing what they've been learning. How many texts have they learned? Five, four, five. No, a lot more than that. But I mean, yeah. what did they do Sunday afternoon? 
They got up in front of everybody, guys. In front of, you know, there was probably 50, 75 people left. They got up in front of those folks and they and they quoted scripture without your help. Yeah. You got them started, you gave them you gave them a cue and they did one. You gave them another cue, they did another one. You gave them another cue and it went right down the line. You know, and it was like they were like they were all matched bookends. And the only one that they had just started was James chapter one. And you could tell that some of them hadn't got it yet. Right. Yeah. About half of them knew it. But I watched the, the first one, which you did. I don't know which, where it came from, but it was Mark the greatest. 12. Yeah, Mark great 12. Story. And they quoted that thing. I mean, they quoted it. They know it. Yeah. They know that one. And I'm talking, I'm talking 85, 90% of them know it. There were some kids there that hadn't been there in a long time. Right. Yeah. You know, Stockton's kid, they had, but the, yeah, I watched those little kids and they knew some of it because they'd been a long time ago, they'd been. And I'm saying that is the consequence of fa families doing the right thing. You want to be a part of this, guys? And you got kids you think they need to get on track? Bring them. Bring them on Sunday. Come to worship. Come to class and and come to that small group that you get fed. You don't have to feed them because we'll feed them. And then they're gonna then they're gonna sing songs together, and it's all geared around those kids. Exactly. And on Fourth Sunday, we all come together. And and I tell you, it was it was incredible to watch. And I look at this text, and that's the first thing I thought of: is not the punishment that's going to come to kids for three and four generations because you hated me. Mm -hmm. But I watch people who love love God mm -hmm. and transferring that to their children. You know what they did? What they called that 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 uh, uh, greatest command? They called it the Shema. Did. And they had it, they would tie it in a thing on their forehead and it was inside this thing. And then they would have it over their doorpost and they recited it every, probably numerous times a day. They knew this. They So when Jesus came along and said, this is the greatest command. Oh, by the way, the Jesus creed is I got one more. The second one is you love your neighbors yourself. That's right. You know, so you put that into practice. Look at what he says again. He said, don't have any gods before me. That's don't right. make any graven image of me. Yep. Don't worship anything. Man, I've, I have seen my fan. I, I have experienced. I have knelt down in front of a statue. And I'm going, guys, man, what did he say? And he said, That's right. you know, he said, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my command. I don't know how long what I've done in my life the love that I've had for God and transferred to my, because some of those kids there, five of them were my grandkids. That's right. In that group. And one of them, my grandkid, my grandson, one of them led the last part of it. They did. Yeah. And I'm going, and I've had one of my other ones has led a prayer. You know, some of the other ones have led prayers. I'm going chimney, man. You know, and that was because, because, uh, of me allowing God to come into my life and changing my life. That's right. That's why they're faithful. And you know, and that's one generation. That's right. There's going to be two generations. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because my sons are one generation. My grandsons are another generation. How long will they, will they raise their children up? God, I hope so. With your help and with my help, with God's help and with the, the help of this congregation. That's why I'm saying, guys, you have problems with your family. Man, get them to church. Well, and that's and I and I love that you grabbed onto that because that really is the intent here. Uh, mm -hmm. Throughout the scriptures, we see this this type of uh, this statement repeated again and again. In in uh, Exodus, in fact, in Exodus thirty 
34. So in Exodus 32 is the golden calf, I believe. Exodus mm -hmm. 33 or 34, I think it's 34. God repeats this, right? I'm a jealous God, punishing the children of the sin of the parents, the third and fourth generation, those who hate me, but showing love to thousands. But he'll preface this statement with who he is, mm -hmm. you know? And it's this really beautiful passage. And what gets picked up throughout the rest of Scripture isn't the, I'm going to punish the children to the third and fourth generation. That's not what gets picked up. What gets picked up, what people call on, what people look for is this statement of God's mercy and love, mm -hmm. right? Because remember in Exodus 32, we have the golden calf. So they break this covenant. They're just making it. And before Moses even really gets off the mountain and gets all down with all of the covenant, the people break covenant. They break the contract with God. And they make an idol. They make an image. And so the covenant that they just ratified is broken. And now God's got to come back and and he's God's sitting there going, you know what? Just go. Just go. I'm not going to go with you. I'm not going to go up. I'm Just go. And Moses says, no, I don't want to go without you. We don't want to go without you. What do we have to do? And that's actually how Leviticus starts. Leviticus is, is starts with God repairing the covenant that they broke. Yeah. Yeah. But... This is the big part of this statement, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. If you love me, if you pursue me, like I have pursued you. A lot of people would look at this and says, what gives God the authority to do this? Yeah. He created us. Yeah. That's what gives him the authority. He made us. Yeah. He is our father and wants what he is worth. Could you imagine if you work at Walmart? And you walked in and the, the, I don't have to imagine I've been through it. I worked for an EMS company that did not pay me. If you work in EMS, you know how many hours we work. We oftentimes we work 24 hour shifts with this company. I was working 48 hour shifts. You know how many calls that can be. If you, if you've ever worked in EMS or been around those types of uh, that type of service, but I, my paycheck bounced, they gave me a check saying, here's your money. I worked for this. They give it to me. And I took it to the bank. And my bank says, we're not, we're not accepting their checks anymore because their checks bounce. I drove all over the valley looking for someone to cash this check. And no one wanted to do it because their checks were bouncing all over the place. I went back to the company and said, how am I supposed to feed my family? How am I supposed to pay my rent? I worked for you. You said you were going to pay me. I need to be paid. And they said, you know, sorry. So I went and found another job. They got upset that I went and found another job. <laughs> they said, well, what, what, what do you mean you're not going to work here anymore? I said, what do you, I can't afford to work here. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. I said, you're not going to pay. You say you're going to pay me. You don't pay me. I need, I, I have to have an income. I have to, I can't even pay rent. What are you, what is this nonsense? And they got upset and they were like, no, no, you just have to come work. Who in their right mind goes to work and doesn't expect to get paid? Why do we think that God should? He has worked to create every single one of us. Is he not entitled to what he created? Yeah. Yeah. He's entitled for us to, to, to honor him. Absolutely. And we honor him by, by uh, living our lives the right way. But we honor him by, by being obedient to him, doing what he tells us to do. I mean, he didn't just create us, right? We can go all the way back to Genesis and look that he created us. For these people in particular, yeah. what has he done? Yeah. Yeah. But well, we sure didn't get very far, did we? No, we didn't. <laughs> we did. So you know, I, I we promise to do better next time. Well, no, well not, we, we ain't gonna promise that. We're, we're not, not gonna promise not, that. Look, look, peace. I'm this not gonna is, rush. This is important. This is important because because I think the whole premise of the law stands on this. 
you know, when we get to when we get to verse 18, when it talks about, you know, them them realizing where God is and them rejecting God there. You know, I mean, that's really important. You know, I mean, that we're going to we're going to I've got a note here to a couple of scriptures that we're going to need to go to and look at you know, about rejecting God and, and not being what God wants us to do. But it's not just about do and do not. No, it's not. Because here's the thing, guys, the standard, the foundation of the law, according to Jesus, the foundation of this legal portion of the, the law, right, is love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's so what Jesus said. It's what Jesus said. So it's not just about, you're right, these first commandments we're seeing are teaching us how to love God, but the buck doesn't stop there. Mm -hmm. The buck says this, it's not enough for you to love me this way. If you're not looking at your neighbor and thinking about how can I help them love God this way. You know, something I'm going to do in, in class tonight, and then we'll end with this, I think, is I'm, I'm in, in Acts chapter 16, and uh, and Paul is going to find Timothy mm -hmm. to take him on the second journey. And he's going, to, he's going to circumcise him. And they just went through a whole council session on why they didn't need to do that. But Paul is looking at the people that he's going to come in contact mm -hmm. with. Yeah. And saying, I can't have anything that hinders me. I know that this is not necessary for salvation, but this is necessary to spread the gospel. Yeah. You know, and and this is necessary to, to study. This is necessary for us to get get to where we get back here. And we at some point we have a home with him. That's right. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to study. And thank you for teaching us, Father, how to love you. Thank you for the opportunity to love you. Thank you for, for the patience that you show to us when we, uh, when we mess this up. Father, be patient and work with us as we strive, Father, to learn and to grow into the people that your son, that when he went on the cross, died to make us. Thank you for the opportunity and be with our audience, Father. We've given them a lot this morning. We've given them things about their own children. I pray, Father, there's someone out there that's watching that has children that, that they know they have a responsibility to. I pray, Father, they'll call us. They'll look us up. They'll get in contact with someone that can help them to, to teach their children and take them closer to God and take themselves closer to God. Thank you, Father, for the opportunities we have through this medium. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.